Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Real Estate Show here on A3OWCCO, where we always welcome your questions either by phone or by text related to real estate. Before we say hi to Chris and Andy, 651 989 9226. And the text number is 81807. Good to see you both today on this rainy day. Now, let me ask you this before I ask you my usual mm-hmm. question. Are there open houses this rainy day for the both of you? Absolutely. Is that good yeah. or bad? Does that help? It's better. Yeah. It's better because people can't work in the yard. Exactly. Stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've had some good uh, good turnouts with this weather. I mean, when it's when it's nice and at the beginning of the summer, yeah. you know, they want to get out and do stuff. So sure. it's typically slower. So this is good. But we got to stop because I'll tell you, uh, putting listings on and getting good photos is really hard right now. Well, absolutely. I mean, the the market's ahead of the of the uh, marketing, and so what's happening is we're seeing houses with the take a look or coming soon kind of concept. Yeah, They're, they don't even have the photos published yet in these properties. They're seeing offers, and so wow, it's you know it's an interesting market that we're in. I mean, obviously nobody likes to run at a pace that they can't keep up with, and and the buyers are fatigued with you know. Feeling like, hey, I don't want to overpay. I don't, you know, great rates are great, and and but I, you know, how much do you want to pay? What's a fair price, you know? And we've talked about this week after week, um, again. And I'm finding that more buyers, though, even if we put a property up for sale and we're at the peak of the market, um, I'm seeing where more buyers are coming in and, and offering what they really think it's worth. They're not overpaying. They're they're actually offering a fair price. And and sometimes these multiple offers, the offers aren't over asking price. You know, just because it's listed, it's not doesn't mean it's priced right. And so the the buyer, or excuse me, the sellers that are like, hey, let's push the market and be a little, you know, piggy, as I say, and push it five, ten, fifteen thousand over to see what we can get. They're not getting asking price. So is that kind of what you guys have been seeing Absolutely. this last week? Uh, no, he's like right that. on the nose. Um, I was also going to say too that I think agents making offers that are doing them right away, they're getting their clients in there right away. Mm-hmm. Un- understanding that the sellers have priced it to be able to maybe get multiple offers are coming in a lot stronger right away, yeah. you know, because some will say, you know, how, how many offers? And if there's not, you know, more than an offer, they try to make a deal. Right. And now there's other people that are coming in right away. Hey, I'll give you this much over, but I just want it done. Well, and you, I'll tell you, that's there's yeah. something to say about you got to look at that too from a you, seller well, perspective because the sellers kind of start staying, you know, well, gosh, one wants it, then others do. That's not necessarily always true. Right. Well, you know, my key thing this year is I've been telling everybody the old location, location, location now is research, 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 because properties, you can trend up 
you know, 6% in a season, but you do the math on that. And that house might only be going up, you know, 600 or $800 a month, not 15,000 in three months compared to the neighbor's house. So, you know, can you pay a little bit more than what the neighbor paid? Sure. But you want to be reasonable about that. And, and you have to really take a look at it from a research perspective. Again, and I'll say this a thousand times, a good agent that knows how to run a proper CMA for you, that'll give you the, what exactly you should pay for that house based on current condition in that market is worth tenfold their, their commission. And that can probably prove it to a seller. You know, yeah. you got to add that in because if, I mean, you can you can do all the CMAs you want. Yeah. The seller don't agree with it. You're not getting it, right. you know. And so, you know, being able to uh, convert that from stats to mm-hmm. selling that to them and getting them in which to believe that. But there's a lot of other things that you can do too. Um, we get uh, what's happening, starting happening now is that people are doing multiple offers and they're saying, hey, we won't do an inspection. Mm-hmm. We don't need to do it. Well, that's not necessarily the best thing for a seller. No. You know, the seller, I mean, that's a way in which to be able to say, hey, you did an inspection. You knew about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't hiding anything. We've got a disclosure to be able to do that. But, I, I mean, I'm seeing that where people are coming in with no I, inspection. We're seeing the same thing. And, and you know, the the uh, the other side of it that I really kind of think is, is uh, showing that um, our market is – Showing its professionalism is, I would say that at least in my markets that I represent, I'm seeing almost 100% buyers coming in with representation. Um, that a few years ago, the trend was different. When the market got this hot, people were just, you know, hey, I'll buy direct. I'll try to save money. And now they're actually putting the faith into having a buyer's representative that does those market analysis, you know, ahead of time for them, provides them with the good contractors. And, you know, the sellers pay the commission. And that's the biggest fallacy. I think a lot of first-time home buyers say, well, I don't have enough money to hire an agent. And buyers are there. The commission that's paid to a buyer's rep comes from the seller's side of the transaction. A lot of people still don't understand that. So you as a buyer don't have to necessarily pay anything, you know, unless there's, you know, broker fees or whatever else that you're going to have that are closer closing costs for that representation. And then you actually have that full experience, all of that knowledge, all of that guidance essentially for free. I think it's interesting on the for sale by owner thing because, Hey, the market's good. Why not try it? But here's what happens is on the for sale by owners, typically, not always, but most of the time, is that a buyer comes in and says, well, you're saving all the commission. I'll give you this much less That's for that. That's totally true. You know, because the, the, they don't want the seller to get – and the seller's like, hey, I'm going to save this commission you know, because I don't have to pay an agent to be able to sell it. But the buyer doesn't want to do it because they're saving that commission. And well, so I, got a, I had a great example mm-hmm. of that happen. Um, which is great if someone wants to be able to sell their house and do it, but they kind of took it, hey, here's what we're going to list it at. We'll take off this, and then we'll take off the commission, and that's what we'll give you. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, uh, okay, you know, maybe, maybe. Well, in the end, we ended up listing up higher and getting more money and got more money than, you know, they were even originally uh, offering. Well, and, you know, something you're kind of tapping into is later in the show we're going to actually talk about the different ways that um, – during a tight market like it is, how do you find inventory? And we're going to kind of go through that a little bit. And that's one of those techniques that we use is that my agents that are on our team, they're very resourceful. If you know that you're in a, a townhouse development or in an area, you want to live in, you know, ABC neighborhood, these guys are knocking doors. They're actually going out there and introducing themselves and saying, hey, we have a buyer that wants to live in your neighborhood. And that's going to be one of our tips, even though I'm kind of giving one away. But that's one of the tips we're going to talk about here in the, probably one of the next Andy, minutes. have you ever seen Andy fly his balloon? There's a no, balloon, I, too, that gets it, and then he throws, like, candy off and then tries to get them to really? list. Hey, come to my He's movie good. events in the fall. I, yeah. We do them in December. I bring the big Remax balloon up to the movie theater up there. You do? We fire it up. Oh, my. The kids go crazy when they get those big, uh, <laughs> you know, the firing, I don't know what they're called, the motors or whatever they are. 
Let's go go with the fire. They press a button and it goes big boom and there's fire. Andy's uh, right next to the kids. I'm busy eating popcorn and slushies and whoa. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's actually. a whole circus is kind of. Yeah. You know, another it's thing. how I run my business. Yeah. Another thing we're going to talk about today is uh, it's a confusion. I mean, a lot of people see encroachments or easements. We know what are they? Subasago uh, with Midland Title is going to be with us and kind of show us the difference between those and then a couple of examples. And, and examples to me that happen uh, a lot more than mm-hmm. people think, you know, um, with easements and driveway easements, shared oh, yeah. easements or um, encroachments where maybe, well, you know, landscaping or yeah. a fence or something is on your property. Well, we've had it where, you know, I've, I've heard thousands of stories, but, you know, some of the, especially up north and the cabins or the, you know, dad used to own the farm or the 40 acres and then the neighbor, they put the poles in everywhere and they say, hey, this is what they've established as their property line. And then they start functioning that way and the, here's or the rock piles on the corner or whatever. And then when they go to sell it, the kids go to sell it and they find out once they GPS it, they're off by 10 feet. And and how do you then ask that neighbor to move their stuff over? Or how do you ask that shed that's now on your property? You know, and then they say, well, I've been doing this for 25 years. And then there's that, you know, implied easements and all that kind of usage things that are in there. And that's, it can be a mess. And I'm, I'm sure people listening have, there's millions of stories oh, out yeah. there saying, I've got a story to tell you, you know, but it, uh, yeah, it can be a mess. So that's why we brought her in today too. Before we break, uh, Kathy and Hugo is on the line with a question. Go ahead, Kathy. What is your question, please? Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, my, my elderly mother has her home for sale in Maplewood and it's a duplex. The, um, the home is the most expensive home in the neighborhood. What's the best way for her uh, real estate agent or what advice do you have for marketing a duplex like that? Mm. That's a good question. Oh, good question. Uh, I've got one right now <laughs> that I'm doing. Um, first of all, I mean, if, you're, if your mom's – is your mom living in one side and then rents out the other? Yes, my okay. mom lives on the, in the upstairs, and uh, my okay. sister in the downstairs. Okay, so there's there's no rent really being transferred, and if there is, it's just it's real low rent, more than likely, right? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Well, I mean, no. from an investor standpoint, I mean, that's what the investors are looking for is what that what the rent will bring because that'll directly reflect the price that you're going to get. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of people uh, in a Maplewood, that's a good uh, example, that there's a lot of people that will buy one half and then rent the other half. But if you're, you want to try to get the most amount of money, mm-hmm. you want you got to get those rents up and or you got to be able to tell them, hey, here's a possibility based on this and this. This is what the rents are going to be and this is what you end up getting. And then, yeah. you know, you gotta, you got to go market to investors. Well, and that's the thing is that you look at the big boys that are out there. One of our, you know, our president used to even do this where they'll buy projects. They'll buy big investment properties with rentals. The first thing they do is they renovate the building and they will raise rents 20, 30 percent because it's all about the cash on cash returns and the cap rates because they want to know what is the ROI on that investment. Can I make 8 percent or 12 percent? The day I buy the building, is it 100 percent you know, occupied with this kind of income coming in? Because if you go after the duplex audience that is the, you know, I want to rent out both sides, what is the potential rent is what I would take a look at. And I would strategize on what can I get per unit and market it as such. And you may even want to get rid of, 
the sister. I hate to say it, but and put that new renter in there after the renovations have been done. Get the rent up, and then the property will be worth more, and it may be in demand. Have a great Saturday. Get rid of the daughter. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Get out. Oh, boy. <laughs> I kick out mom, go. too, but that's nothing personal, mother. All right. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> and you'll list your property. <laughs> no, no, that's unsolicited. I As we head to this break, 651-989-9226 for your real estate question. If you'd rather be safe and send a text, 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show. We always like to invite our listeners to ask those real estate questions either by phone or text 651-989-9226. Uh, or text us at 81807. Chris and Andy, what do you want to do here? Well, Sue Bisego with uh, Midland Title is here. And uh, Sue, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and also want to get uh, – we're going to talk a little about encroachments and easements. we got a lot of text messages. we got phone calls coming in. But I wanted to try to get uh, a definition, first of all, of uh, what an encroachment is and then what an easement is. Sure. From an encroachment perspective, it's something that, to make it simple, is – Either you have a fence on your property that really belongs to your neighbor or you have a fence that belongs to you that's on your neighbor's property or a shed. A lot of times we see those little gardening sheds that might be 10 feet on a neighbor's property. An easement is an actual um, legal agreement that can get you to a piece of property or sometimes they're not in writing and they're verbal. And what it means is that you have to have access. On a lake property like Andy was talking about earlier, you have to have access to the lake because you own a property across the road. In the Twin Cities, surprisingly, we have a lot of same issues. We have shared driveway easements that might not have an agreement. You've shared that driveway for years and you're going to go sell your property. Or it could be um, as simple as my eave hangs over on my neighbor's property and I need Mm. to have an easement to be able to repair that, that eave. All right, what about trees? Something as simple as a tree, because I've had a client ask me about that, that they say, hey, the neighbor's huge tree over my fence, into my yard, almost hindering my use of my property now. What? How does that categorize? From a title perspective, we don't look at trees. From a legal perspective, which I really technically cannot answer on the air, those become legal issues of how who owns the tree. Mm-hmm. My understanding with the property that I just had, the trunk was in the middle of our property line, mm-hmm. so we both took care of the tree in that situation. Hmm. But if it's in my yard, I can cut it off if it's hanging over my property, the that, tree branch? Uh, that's what I did. Not being popular with my neighbor, but after I kicked my sister out, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kicking people out of their house, well, for God's sake. St- the tree's no big deal anymore. <laughs> Again, cut back on the coffee, note to self. <laughs> All right. As on that topic, we're going to, we, Dennis has a real-life example uh, coming up uh, about this this very thing. i tell you what, let's do this. Uh, before we even talk about that, Connie in St. Paul has been waiting on the phone. Go ahead, Connie. What is your question for us, please? I was wondering how, what formula you use or how do you arrive at a selling price for a property? How do you do that? It's a great guys? question. I mean, in, in general, finding finding a price is obviously you got to compare it to other things that have sold that are similar to yours. Mm-hmm. And then I think what you do is once you find that price, then you got to see what's active and how it fits in there, and mm-hmm. then you can set your you can set your list price based on that. Yeah. Um, but obviously, anything that's proven that's been done, we know that hey, that's the fact. I mean, Andy's talking about it. He's saying he's doing market analysis for people. He's basing it off of that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that you have to know that market. If you don't know that market and don't know what's happening and how quick things are moving, I mean, you can kind of push it and and be able to get more. 
Well, you know, in, in even in uh, condominium style markets where you have a three bedroom, two bath, same amount of square footage as the neighbor, but do you have a better view than the neighbor? Do you have the easy access? You're on second floor versus first floor. Do you have a, you know, you walk across and you've got a private elevator. I mean, those are all the elements that add that additional, you know, the things that the Zillow's, the Trulia, Realtor.com's can't capture because they're looking at square footage numbers. That's where the agent comes in, a local real estate agent. And most agents will actually give you a free market analysis or a no-cost market analysis to really help you analyze that. Because from a strictly a per square foot price, a lot of people will use that and it's just not accurate anymore. It's like, it, and that's why if you read in the back and the fine print on those online evaluation sites, they actually say that it's within 14% either side for values because they can't really say. On a lake, Chris, you're a lake expert, and you talk about like things like sandy frontage versus mucky frontage. So when you have a 10,000-square-foot beautiful mansion on the lake, you can vary on thousands of dollars just based on the shoreline, the view. I had an appraiser call me on that uh, this last week, and it was, she was starting to ask, she goes, how much, how much per foot? is Lakeshore going for? <laughs> I said, I said, you can't, there's, there's no such thing anymore. Right. You know, it depends what kind of house you have. Is it going to be a teardown, not a teardown? Is it flat? Is it steep? Is it in a bay? You know, yep. is it, I mean, is it navigable? What kind of lake is it? All that kind of stuff. I mean, it makes, it makes a huge difference. I'll tell you what, let's do. We've got calls. I want to alert Gene and Larry to hang on the line here. We're going to take our quick bottom of the hour break, take a look at that forecast. And we have texters too that have questions, and we'll get a real life question from Dennis, too, when we come back mm. with our guest. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on A3OWCCO. We have callers. We have texters, guys, and so let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, Gene in Stillwater has been waiting. Go ahead, Gene. Thank you. Um, yes, I have a question about property lines, and the experience that I have is that I'm in an area that was a small a small town and farms and um, lakes. And so when the lakes rose, people's property lines were changed by people. Mm. And when fields were plowed, markers were changed by farmers and then put back where they thought the place was going to be. So there's a confusion about property lines and has been for years. And um, I was wondering, how do you straighten those out, and do they need to be straightened out? Yeah, you probably uh, super Sega with Midland Titles here, perfect person to answer this question. But uh, and, and real important to be able to decide and what to do before you actually are going to sell. That's correct. The in the Stillwater area in Washington County, in particular, there are a lot of um, issues with boundary lines. That's what you're discussing right now is those boundary line issues and. To be honest, from a title perspective, that's something that we do the search and we'll, we'll identify if those issues are there. But to solve the problem, you really need to get together with your neighbors because you obviously want to have a cooperation with everyone involved in that transaction and find a really good attorney that can help all of you be able to straighten out those lines. You'll have to do surveys and it does get quite costly. Yeah. And the, I mean, the best thing is what you said is to work together. You know, because if you got to fight for what those lines are, you know, that even gets more expensive. But you can kind of work together to be able to make sure it's right for so you, you let, or your heirs. But I was going to say, so do you let the neighbor then say, hey, listen, we're going to be doing a survey to determine because I want to sell my property and I need to know what to offer to my potential buyers. Do you then sit down, look at the survey and then come to an agreement? And then do they move the line if you as a neighbor decide to move the line? 
Because I think a lot of times when it comes to Lakeshore, they won't just let you move it because you want to move it. They're going to say, nope, it's 100 footers. Even though you think you got 110 feet, they're not just going to give it to you unless you go to a, I think you have to go to court. And a judge then can override that. But you'd have to get a, a judgment, I believe, to get that to oversee. Does that sound right? Or am I... Well, you can actually have agreements with neighbors and you can do deeds and exchange deeds for that land or you can do easement agreements. Mm-hmm. And it will just depend on the cost and the extent of, and what the requirements of the county is as well. Because as we know with lake, land, lake property, you have setbacks and you have a certain amount of land that you have to have to have the building on that property. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, good point. All right, very good. 651-9, thank you, Gene. 651-989-9226. Larry is calling from Andover with a question. Uh, good morning, Larry. Good morning, you guys. Uh, I built a shed on my Lakeshore property 24 years ago, and it happened to be a foot on a neighbor's property. Uh, is that grandfathered in, or should that have, would that have to be moved? Or do, you, is it do you have footings, in? Larry, on that? Is there footings and stuff, or is it just a shed that's... Oh, it's just, it's just a... Okay. It, Eight by ten shed or whatever. Sue, in that situation, we would actually, from a title perspective, ask for an easement agreement with the neighbor or ask that the shed be moved. Typically, you're not going to find a problem as long as the buyer understands that that um, shed is on the neighbor's property and you get along with that neighbor. The issue would be if a lender for that buyer calls it out and has an issue um, with the fact that there's encroachments. Mm. Now, our friend Dennis here, you, we were talking off the air that, uh, you, Dennis, you have a real-life uh, question, example, that you want to get Example, an to. and I want to avoid problems in the future. Okay. All right. My mother has just divided our lake property, 33 acres, 1,800 feet of frontage. All four heirs got their share. We have a deeded access through another man's property into ours, and the driveway comes in on my seven acres. Now, my niece and my brother and sister can only access their property through mine. And I want to make sure that when I'm gone, that there's no problems with uh, the driveways into my sisters and my brothers and my nieces. I want to make sure this is all taken care of before I'm gone. And since we just did this and got this all done, what do I have to do to make sure this all happens? And Chris, during the break, suggested a toll bridge. Now, is that the direction we should go with the? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was also going to tell Dennis. I mean, in fifty, seventy-five years from now, laws change. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Sue. Well, toll bridge might be a good idea if you want to make some money off your relatives <laughs> instead of kicking them off the properties. Right. <laughs> Actually, what you would want to do is you'd want to make sure that you have a good easement agreement that's written out with all of the surrounding properties. And you would want to make sure that that is signed by everybody that's in existence now. Including the man that we drive through his property to get to. Correct. You want to make sure that's established, and then you want to make sure from your property out that you actually have established easements. And those should be in writing, and they should be recorded. And it should indicate in those that they're going to actually go to the heirs or successors in interest to that property. Then you've got the the problem solved. And as long as it's recorded, that's our biggest issue. All right. You know that toll bridge, Denny. I'm just trying to do that to find that one. That sister that's getting kicked out of her place. I'm trying to get her some extra money so she can. Now you're going to have to pay a a toll to get kicked out of this property. (laughs) Hey, we got a ton of text questions. We do. Um, The first one, uh, do you need a permit to divvy up a house like they do in college towns? 
uh, divvy up a house. I assume that means they're renting out a room yeah. or something or, or multiple rooms. Yeah, you're going to – I mean, most places do have uh, uh, permits that you have to do yep. and, and follow. So well, and even some neighborhoods like in Minneapolis, I know that they're – by the U, they have special pro- – you know, where they say you can only have three kids in each side of the duplex maximum, even if it's a five-bedroom you know, there's certain pockets where they do that, and they do that as an effort to just kind of take the pressure because um, some of those areas have been rezoned or, you know, haven't been rezoned, and they're just but now it's lucrative, sat- I'll tell you that. Oh, well, I look at these kids up. all paying six to $800 a piece per month for these wow. bedrooms. And these house- – I mean, well, that's why these duplexes over by the U sell for 600000 It's because they can afford it. The, the the ROI, the cap rates are there. Just went back to the other thing. It's, I mean, how much rent do you get? I mean, right. they'll, they'll pay for it. Yep. If a buyer asks the seller to pay closing costs, is the seller able to deduct those costs on their tax return? We can't give legal or tax advice, but uh, it depends. If, if, if it's an investment property, it's certainly a, a cost. Uh, it lowers your cost, but – you know there's a, a wonderful little uh, tax advantage for owning. If you've lived in the home two out of the previous five years, that uh, you're free of capital gains tax up to what is it, five, five fifty, mm-hmm. something like that. So at that time, it it might help you get underneath that amount yeah. to be able to. Because usually taxes. they just surrender it off of the off the um, the uh, estimate selling expense you know sheet, and they'll actually take that off of there. It doesn't. You're not actually writing out a check to a mortgage company. And it's not to your benefit that you're paying that, but anyway. Here's another one. Getting ready to sell my parents' home in St. Paul. The home needs a lot of work, and so we want to sell at no contingencies, as is, cash only. A realtor has recommended listing on the open market for the best price. My mom has been also approached by flippers, but we've uh, not yet shown them the property. Decide which would be the wisest and most lucrative approach. Flippers are wholesale, and the retail market will bear more every time because the consumer that comes in there and thinks they can renovate the house for five grand or ten grand. When in actual real numbers, it's maybe 40000 So they're willing to pay more because they think they can get it done for less versus a flipper has to buy that investment. They have to pay for those improvements usually, and they're paying kind of a, a wholesale price to allow that to, to have that luxury of the to paying for those services. So 1,000% a house like that you want to put on the open market. I would too. And put it out there for sure. So um, how how you know when to hire a repairman or a contractor for many repairs I've been living in the house for 20 years. Mm. I'll tell you what. I always tell people, let us out there. Let the realtors out there right away. Um, save people lots and lots of money where they thought they had to repair uh, you know, siding or windows where really they didn't have to. Right. And were able to be able to put that inside and be able to get well, a lot Well, and where to money. put their dollars because not everybody has unlimited cash. So if you have, where's the best ROI for my, you know, if you have $20,000 to improve that property, get it ready to sell, where to put it is, I think, the key. Tell you what, let's do this. Let's take our usual break time and come right back. If you have a real estate question for us, 651-989-9226. That's by phone or if you'd rather send a text. And we'll get back to those too. 81807 for your text messages. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on 830 WCC. 43 and rain right now. And uh, more rain is on the way. Chris and Andy, what are we, we got a lot of text messages today, a lot of them. Yeah, we've been talking about toll bridges and kicking kids out of houses <laughs> and easements and uh Doesn't sound too much like yeah. a good neighbor. Yeah. No. Well. Super Sago, Midland Title is here, and this will be a good question for her. Our home was built 30 years ago. Home next door was there a year or so before ours. The sod and the sprinkler uh, system was done in their yard before ours. We had a sprinkler system put in, and the sod uh, and sod laid soon after we moved in 30 years ago. 
Our new neighbor has determined that some of our sprinkler heads are in his yard. Do we need to move that bef- or do we need to move them before we move? Sue. That is a very interesting question, and it's going to depend. If your neighbors don't want to cooperate and they're not going to let your new buyers on the property, then yes, you might want to consider moving them or getting an easement agreement so you have access to repair those lines. Yeah, hmm. and I I think the easiest thing is to move them. You know, and just be done with it and not have to worry. From a from a resale standpoint, the less we have to explain, mm-hmm. the better it is. I'd, I'd agree 100%. Yep. Yep. Okay. And there was another one here. Uh, my daughter's wanted to sell her house and build again with the same builder. She's had several different agents come through and do markets. Uh, they, of course, only look at sold comps. The builder only builds this model home in one location, now with much smaller lots. At this point, to rebuild her exact house, it would cost four hundred eighty thousand. My daughter needs four thirty five for hers. Agents say it's worth four twenty. What do you suggest she does? Interesting. Uh, and not not to be simple, but then if it's not right or you can't do it, just don't sell. I mean, the the they're not making the numbers up. The the numbers don't lie. They the if it's you know I mean. But let's talk about this. Why is okay. why is her house on a bigger lot and to rebuild it down the street on something else? It would be four hundred eighty. Or yeah, four eighty, and she's only going to get four twenty for hers. Why don't you grab that person that just wrote a new construction purchase agreement as they walk out the front door and ask them? Because they're ultimately the market. The market will pay more for new. They always have. They always will. It's just like a new car. You have a brand new Corvette that's a year old in your head. It's a brand new Corvette. The other person says it's a year old. You got it. Yep, totally. I mean, new construction typically is kind of thrown out. You you kind of use it to kind of gauge, but it's typically going to cost you more in which to be able to get brand new. Mm-hmm. And now what's existing, you know, and the other thing is, is what happens here is that if people have the option in which to build in a neighborhood, the existing market's going to be held down mm-hmm. until there's nothing left. And all of a sudden, then it pops up. Right. And so that's that might be what they're talking about as well. Sure, so, sure. Do we have anything else on there? Um Hold on. Oh, nope, we don't. Andy, you were gonna. You said at the very beginning we we're going to talk about uh, yeah. something uh, and how to be able to find some uh, – if you can't find a house, yeah. where well, can we the look? Bu- we got a lot of buyers that are frustrated, and they, they'll you know text the show and ask them, what, where do we go, how do we fix this? And so, you know, real quick, one of the best secrets that we found as agents is that getting your real estate agent to go back and look at expired listings – or withdrawn listings that are out there. So maybe a year ago the property was for sale, it didn't work out, but now the market has cured itself or the values are back to where maybe that seller now can make that work. Um, And they might be actually really enthusiastic about you guys approaching them. Um, There's a lot of the online stuff like on Zillow, the Make Me Moves, the the, uh, uh, Craigslist ads, people trying to do for sale by owners. Don't be afraid of them. Just have your representation ready to go. Have them helping you through. Rental listings is another one. People that are renting their houses sometimes would take a real hard look at. They don't realize how much that equity has come up or what you're willing to pay, and they'd look at rentals. Um, the other one is overpriced listings, and, and that's where the, the house that you're like, oh, they're crazy. Sometimes they're waiting for that offer. They just want to price it high to see if they can get it, and they will take a lower offer. Biggest myth is that yeah. uh, you know people come in and, and bid real low. It, hap- it doesn't happen a lot unless it's no. something sat for a super long time and they're just trying. Minnesota nice, it doesn't work here. It yeah. works in other cities and other states where they'll come in and they'll lowball you. Here it doesn't seem to work. It just nope. People ignore you when you nope. overprice. So that's my tips. Good luck. Okay, good. So, Sue, we've obviously had a lot of different questions here. Um I mean, for the person that's kind of considering these things, like the Stillwater uh, thing, would they contact a title company right away to, uh, to, I mean, discuss that kind of stuff? And then you can kind of put them in the right direction, how to get it taken care of? 
Yes. The best thing to do is to talk to a title company. They're the title experts that are out there. They can research your property and make a decision for you and help you out to make sure that you're aware of what issues you're going to have. And then we can direct you to an assortment of attorneys that work with us to help you solve those problems because you want to solve them before you get that purchase agreement signed. Totally. Because we have a lot of those situations where we're dealing with them and it might postpone a closing. Yeah. And that's, that's never fun. So uh, there was another text question that I missed in all of them. And it says, we maintain and cut about two feet of our neighbor's yard because that two feet looks like it's part of our yard. Also, it's, can, it's a convenience for our neighbor. Um, I don't, I don't think there was a question there. I, is, I, I was looking for oh, it myself. It's a statement. Yeah. So well, I mean, what, you, I'll tell you what, though, when, you, when you're listing that house or if you're selling mm-hmm. that house, you better let the people know that you're cutting two feet onto the other people's hey, yard. Uh, let me say this real quick. I was selling some land, and this was a piece that we actually owned ourselves in the neighbor because we were letting the natural, beautiful grasses grow. They um, decided that they wanted to mow into the property, and I kept getting feedback saying you're, the lot's too narrow. And so we literally had to address a neighbor and say, stay off the property because they were mowing into the property 10, 15 feet. People were perceiving that only the long grass was actually where the lot was. And it, so those things happen. You, you, when you go to sell, you got to put on different goggles. You really need to take perspective of what is the value perceived by the way the lot looks. Like that neighbor mowing four feet into your property, think about it. It looks like now that you own that and you don't own that. So you should probably represent what you have for sale. Very I'll tell you what, let's find out how we get a hold of everybody here before we take our leave today. Midland Title, 612-866-6102. With Edina headquarters there. Yeah. Uh, Randy Prasky.com? <laughs> it, it is Andy. Oh, it's Andy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you figure it out. Google me. ChrisRudy.com. Oh, God. No and respect. It, no respect. And it's still raining. But we are going to be back next week. And again, we always enjoy uh, your company when you ask the real estate questions by phone or text. So we'll do that again next week here on CCO. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.